welcome to the Good Catholic Women After Dark podcast. Um, my name is Samantha Creighton. Um, I am a Catholic mother of five and a catechesis of the Good Shepherd teacher at a, both a school and um, I do um, CCD at a church um, with the CGS program. Um, I consider myself a revert. Uh, and that's just a little bit about me. I'm also joined by my co-host, Leslie. Leslie, if you want to give a little intro. Woohoo! Awesome. Hey, friends. Um, so like Samantha said, I'm Leslie. Um, I'm a Catholic school teacher in East Tennessee. I'm currently um, in a kindergarten class. And like Samantha and our awesome guest coming up here, um, I also do CGS. Um, I just started our atrium back in January. So we're kind of still working through our kinks and all that good stuff. But I also have five kids. Um, I'm a full-time college student and uh, yeah, don't really have <laughs> much free time, you know, with that really fun schedule. So yeah, thanks, Samantha. Um, we're also joined by a guest this week. Her name is Quinn and I'll let her give a quick introduction. Hi, I'm Quinn. I'm also a revert. I'm a homeschooling mom. I have three children, and I was sort of pushed into the work of a catechesis by God. I was not planning on it. Um, I'm both the catechist and the um, CGS coordinator at my parish. I started this program um, two years ago, um, so we'll be going into our third year this fall. So tonight we're going to talk, obviously, about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and kind of what that is. Um, for those of you that don't know, it's a Montessori-based um, religion program. For um, There's three different levels. The first level is for kids three to six, and then the next one is um, six to nine, and then the last level is for nine to 12-year-olds. Um, so personally, I work... Um, as an aide at the school, and I worked with all age grades, so I worked anywhere from preschoolers up to sixth graders, um, because our school runs all three levels of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Um, it's been running there for, oh gosh, at least five years now. Um, yeah, wow. but I've only been the aide, this will be my second year as like the head aide. I didn't know you guys had all three levels. Do, yeah. That's awesome. Um, but our church program only has level one, and then I'm the head catechist for the level one atrium at our church. Um, I was kind of pushed into it because my uh, mother teaches it, and she was, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of pushing me towards at least checking out the training, and then I fell in love with it through the level mm -hmm. one training. I think that's a common story. I think all three of us have that in common. Yeah, I was going to say, I think all three of us have that in common that we were like kind of, uh, yeah. you know. I was very, um, I don't know. I just, I, like, I, I wanted it for my children, but I was like, well, I don't know if I want to actually, like, get involved in this. So I don't know if I have the time and everything. Um, but especially now after I started level two training, I just finished half of my level two training. I am, like, so... It, like it encompasses everything that like even us as adults need to know about our relationship with Jesus like building on that personal relationship before having to like instill rules and guidelines and stuff with our kids I think the falling in love before the rules just works really well because 
we understand that God only wants the best for us. And so the rules aren't about controlling us or, you know, just having us do something because that's what he wants, but it's really ordered for what is best for us. And I think when children understand that, the rule becomes something Mm -hmm. that is joyful, you know, a gift from God. And I think like, I think kids intrinsically find, I mean, we as adults too, but I think especially with kids within those boundaries of like knowing the security of the relationship with God, it's just so much easier for them to feel comfortable and like exploring, you know? Yeah. And I think it helps them to, you know, as a child, I remember I had like my uniform prayers, like you had your Hail Mary, you had your, but like having a discussion with God was something as like a very type A, like realistic person that I struggled with a lot. Cause it's like, yeah, I'll sit mm-hmm. here and I'll talk to him, but I didn't ever get like that feeling that, that I thought I was supposed to have. And so I think it also teaches the kids how to like communicate with God and how to listen yeah. to God in a way that even as adults, mm-hmm. like, I don't think if we didn't have that, as a child, I think that's really, really hard for us to develop as, you know, a 20, 30, 40 year old person, you know, whereas if you get that at age three, four, five, it's probably, it just like continues to grow. And it's probably not something Mm -hmm. that they're going to struggle with as much. At least that's my hope for all the children that come into the atrium, that that's not going to be a struggle for them. Yes, I have to say, I envy a lot of their ability to do spontaneous prayer that is from the heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, me too. Right? And and it's it's not forced. It's it's like very organic. And for me, I know both of you, you know, said that your rebirth, I kind of failed to leave this part in. So I'm a convert from the Southern Baptist faith. Um, and just, I think, I, I think you guys have similar stories, but how I was introduced to catechesis was... Um, I accidentally, this is a weird story, I accidentally was invited to a DRE meeting um, where we had a presentation done um, by the sister who is like the director for the entire state of Tennessee. And I think most of you guys had the same experience. It was a cynical and I, I cried. I mean, because there's nothing like that to really demonstrate the strong ties that are sacraments and God together you know and how we get all that um and I just remember leaving and I I I knew nothing about the program and I was like whatever that is I want that (laughs) you know um and I can't imagine having that gift as a kid you know as as a young child and to have that be kind of like your gateway into relationship with Christ you know yeah Yeah, for me it's my three-year-old who's my only child who started with Mm -hmm. me from the beginning and seeing him as a five-year-old and we had Mm -hmm. a terrible relationship in the atrium because he was jealous and he was I just thought Mm -hmm. about I'm failing him as a catechist but then he would just say Mm -hmm. things like a year after being in the atrium where I finally realized he was taking it in I mean he was still terribly annoyed he knew how to push my buttons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, one day he just asks me, like, Mommy, what is piety? And I just said, right wow. in serving the Lord. And he was three. We had done the Pentecost celebration. And I thought, wow, this is working. I don't know That's how. That's amazing. 
but it is. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's I awesome. Think the trait, like the, our trainers that I just had in level two, they said, I my wish for every level one catechist is that they can move into a level two and see the same kids and see because I think the level one, you, they don't really, you don't see like the benefits you know yet because they're not the kids aren't ready to Mm -hmm. to verbalize what's what's happening to them on the inside yet and then in level two Mm -hmm. they can start to sort of verbalize that to an adult like in a way where we would recognize it more you know so I think it's hard in that for like three four year old air like area to see like is this are they actually getting anything like (laughs) But right. Yeah, it's so mysterious. Yeah. I think to parents, it's very mysterious what the children do. And some, I think, just see a three-year-old wandering around. And I've, I did, unfortunately, have a parent say, I think he'll gain more out of this next year. And despite, Aww. you know, because I think they yeah. just felt like their child couldn't focus. And I had to, you know, I couldn't get through to them that this is their work at this age. But like I had a mom Mm -hmm. who was my assistant after sending her kids through the program for one year. And after she had been in the atrium for maybe a semester, she said, this is amazing. I had no Mm. idea what it was like, but, you know, we did the liturgical calendar Mm. for four-year-olds. And she said, this just blew my mind. Mm. And that's the hard part with parents and getting them to want to do the training and to be involved is it's so hard mm-hmm. to explain. Well, it's hard when it's, it's hard when it's on a volunteer basis too, you know, like it's easy for, especially mm-hmm. me who's getting paid as a full-time staff member, but to get somebody to just volunteer Same. for church. <laughs> right. Like, through all the tra- like the training is some, not, you know, it's not intense. Like going to college, but it's somewhat intensive for just a volunteer yeah. to go do it. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of time. Well, so, so our listeners, cause I know, you know, some of our listeners maybe aren't familiar with the program. So maybe a good idea to kind of talk about, you know, our training and what it involves. So I, I've completed level one a, um, and I'm actually, <laughs> you guys are ahead of me. Um, I'm starting level two, August 15th, which I'm kind of excited about. Um, and I think we have one atrium in the entire state oh <laughs> that's level three one um so i'm really i'm excited because i went ahead and signed up for training at the end of 2020 um because we're hoping to bring that to our diocese um and like you know samantha was saying um you know being in a paid position where you do it i mean you know the training is intense i think my my training personally was eight days total um for level one and um it was all day. And I know some, some parishes and some, some places offer, you know, to do like intensive weekends to where you come a few weekends in a row. So how did you guys do that for level one? Well, so we my level one, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so my level one was intensive weeks. It's pretty much every summer. So every summer I do, it's actually about 10 days um, from like mm-hmm. nine to four. Mm-hmm. And it's in a town that's mm-hmm. about two hours away from my house. So I always have to find a place to stay for those for that time. And so I got my level mm-hmm. one done in two years. So I had to take like the first part of level one, one summer, and then the second part the next summer. And now I just took my first mm-hmm. part of level two this summer and I'll take my second part of level two next summer. And so it's just like every summer you get a big chunk of it, which is 
maybe not the best way to go about it, but it's the most convenient for, like, a busy mom because it's, like, I just Mm -hmm. know this one week I'm not available. I don't have to, like, set aside a bunch of weekends. It's just way easier. Right. Yeah, so I also started with the one week. I went into it not Mm -hmm. knowing at all what the catechesis was. I didn't even really know Mm -hmm. what Montessori-based really meant. But it was, uh, the 1A was a six day, Monday through Saturday, like nine to four-ish. And then I sort of went a route that's probably not really recommended, but I was trying to keep up with my oldest child. So I just thought after I did that, because I had no intentions of being a catechist, doing any of that work. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be better at homeschooling my preschool aged children. That was it. (laughs) Uh, So... I actually went, I traveled, I live in Wisconsin. I traveled to Michigan oh like, my goodness. a month and a half, oh, wow. two months later to do mm-hmm. 1B. And then the following school year, my in-laws live outside of Chicago. I did four kind of three-day chunks to do all of level two mm-hmm. at like a, at a Catholic school that was hosting that training. So basically in the span of about a year, I did both levels one and two, which is a lot to do. Wow. My oldest was going to be level two age. I thought I need to keep up with him. But I have sort of audited kind of one half level at a time each summer. It's pretty new in our diocese. Mm. So we have to bring someone in. So we have to do the Monday to Saturday Mm. format. But I know for a lot of moms, that's been the hard like they cannot find child yeah I've been very lucky that my husband's work schedule is flexible or my parents have come out to help so I am Mm -hmm. currently planning a level one training for my parish because we'll have a local formation leader next spring so we're looking at more so next spring we'll finally have a local formation leader and in trying to host a training for my parish I wanted to make it possible for moms with several or many children to do it so we're looking more at Mm. Friday evening all day Saturday Sunday after mass like two of those chunks plus a Saturday you know assuming the dads will help out and do child care and I've got a really positive response but we'll see I guess what happens in the spring that's awesome. See, that's the format that I'm going to be doing for level two. And I have to tell you guys, we always joke that. So our fifth was only about four months old or so. Um, when I did level, they were totally fine with me. <laughs> so we joke that he's one of the youngest catechists. <laughs> um, so he actually training with me, which was it was kind of neat because it, it kind of opened our group a little bit. He was like our, our class's baby, you know, um, so I could record things and take notes. You know, they would pass them around. And there was um, a sister who made really good buddies with him. And so she kind of like watched him and stuff. But I mean, that's a valid point because we had to jump through hoops um, because, we, you know, with five kids. And I know Sam- Samantha had and to go I mean that's a huge chunk of time to be gone and I trained out of to where my parish put me up in a hotel so I was gone for a little over a week um so to be able to have those kind of chunks for training is really really helpful and I'm hoping that it helps you you know get a wider pool of volunteers I 
thing. Yeah, I also yeah. think that shorter chunks, it's a little easier on you in terms of how much new information yes. you have to process. Because my level mm-hmm. three has been in two-day chunks, which is hard on me because I have to travel to Minnesota for it. But yeah, so it's like a hour drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of taking in and not feeling like my brain is on overload, that's much more. Right. Yeah, getting it all, I think like by day four of the big ones, you're like really, it's, it starts to get tough. But I also think that those long ones, at least for me, because I'm like you, Leslie, I was like just gone. Like I go to another city for like, right. I think it was 10 days this time. And I just got a hotel room. So it was kind of like a retreat because I was all day. I was just like listening to all this beautiful, you know, information. I learned a lot about a lot more about the program and I learned a lot more kind of about myself and like how I mm-hmm. see my mm-hmm. relationship with God and stuff. And so it was, and then I could just go to my hotel room and kind of relax. And so it was almost like a little retreat away from the busyness right. of life. Right. And I know that that's like, obviously something that's very, um, what, how do I want to say it? Like luxurious. <laughs> And not everybody right. can No, I, I remember. That, but it's something that, it's like, we just, we push through. Like, my husband takes time off work. My mom chips in. And so that I can mm. get my training done every summer. I definitely tell That's people so awesome. that the training is a retreat for yourself. Like, to do, yes. if you don't feel like you can be a catechist or assistant now, that's what I tell everyone. <laughs> just go do the training. It's so good for you. Right. It really, like, honestly, I feel like it, it, it kind of re-centers your relationship with God because you really can't be a catechist or even an assistant and not have, like, a good mindset going into it, a good understanding. You can't be, I don't want to say you can't be in a bad place spiritually, you know, um, but it, it's just nice to have, like, that refocus, that recentering. And I, I, so I struggle because I'm in a traditional classroom um 90% of the day and then I have to kind (laughs) of this sounds silly but I kind of have to engage in atrium mode you know what I mean um my demeanor has to change um and you know I was I was talking to some of the other teachers in my class um you know my my faculty members and I was talking to them about you know what it's like to kind of have to switch that gear on and it's almost like pure bliss to (laughs) to just focus on like spiritual growth, spiritual development, like your relationship with God for an entire, you know, even if it's just like, you know, we were talking about the shorter chunks of time, it's still such a gift to be able to kind of refresh and renew yourself and go into it with a different mindset, you know? I absolutely think that this work has been so good for my own spiritual life because you can't mail Mm -hmm. it in with the children. Like you really have to partner with them. And we Mm -hmm. all really Mm -hmm. need to have that childlike wonder about these parables, Mm -hmm. about the infancy narratives. And so being with them has forced me to take the time, you know, to read scripture in a very prayerful way. Right. So speaking of... Sorry, are you guys still there? Yes. I'm here. Yes. 
Okay, so speaking of like all the different um, things that we do in there, so all the um, all of our different works, as we would call them, um, maybe we should talk a little bit, I guess, about our lingo and then about our materials too. So, um, so you guys know, and the the children never play in the atrium; they work, and that was something that took me, even me, like even though I went to training and stuff, it took me a long time to always say like you know, restore instead of put that away, right, you know, and so um, right. we have our own language right. that we use, and I think it helps differentiate, like, that classroom versus, like, a regular classroom for the kids. Um, yes, I have, right. I have kids, because I, in the summer, I um, run, like, a, just a regular summer program, um, kind of like an after-school program, and uh, um, I teach sometimes in, like, more traditional settings, and I'll have kids who I may have trouble with in those settings who are maybe have like some discipline issues or are kind of loud and rambunctious and those same kids you would never guess if you only worked in the atrium if you're only in the atrium with them it's like they don't make a noise and they don't you know Mm -hmm. they they're just like so happy to be there and they're like so focused on their work um and so I think when we use like our language, like when we say restore and we talk to them about their work and it kind of gives them dignity, I think. And it um, helps differentiate yes. from a regular classroom setting. Yes. I think even calling it an atrium, that place of preparation, they absolutely see it as a prayerful space. I had a mom tell me that mm-hmm. her son was appalled to find out that our atrium room was also used by the homeschool band and he told his mom like it's a quiet place yeah you know he just didn't understand that I had to set things up week but he really saw that as a prayerful space right well I can totally understand that because I'm in so this past semester when we started our atrium we actually because of the the age range we have at our school and we started with my kindergarten classes so there were 20 kids and um we had we divided them into two groups and so I would there and as to our atrium I would kind of talk to them I would be like hmm does anybody have a word that we've used in the past to describe the atrium and without skipping a beat one of my rowdiest, <laughs> just wildest students, he said, it's reverent because it's a holy, spl- a holy place. And I just thought, wow. I was completely blown away because, you know, the word reverent is not in a normal five or six year old's, you know, vocabulary. Um, and I, it was so funny to me because you could watch. So our atrium is up a set of stairs. And as they would walk up the stairs, their body language would change. Mm-hmm. Like you could just see that they understood. It was like they were mentally, emotionally kind of preparing to transition, you know. Um, and like you were saying, you know, I can imagine one of my students being really upset that something else would go on in that room because it's sacred to them. Yeah, and I think um, like... In addition to building, so, like, since they're in this quiet, like, reverent place, it also helps them build, like, their skills with each other, Um, Mm -hmm. especially not so much in level one because they do a lot of alone work, but in level two, I think 
Um, they really have to start to problem solve. They work in groups, and if there's a big, you know, disagreement about something, you can't yell and scream and push about it. You have to sit down. It forces them, because they know mm -hmm. that they're not allowed to yell and scream. It forces them to sit down and work through that issue with this person, because you know, getting upset just isn't, like, an option like it would be, you know, at recess or at gym. It's, I have to sit mm -hmm. down now and we have to decide, like, who's doing what and how this is going to be fair. And um, there's a great quote by um, a priest that Sophia, and we should mention, the people who <laughs> created this were um, Sophia Cavalletti and Gianna Gobi, who were two Italian women who were... Um, like a theologian, I believe, Sophia was, and, a, and an educator. Um, and uh, she had a good priest friend who said, um, you know, morality, the teaching of morality and theology is not, like, getting someone to connect with, like, what's out there. It's getting people to connect with reality, you know. And so for mm -hmm. the child to see that, like, my neighbor or my friend or whatever, you know, is like the face of God to me in this moment, even if I'm upset and mad, I think that's another important quality that grows in the children in addition to their relationship to God. Yes, and I think also that responsibility in having that freedom that they have, that they also start to understand that it doesn't just mean doing what you want, like does it disrupt other people? Mm -hmm. Is this a good use yeah. of my time? Mm -hmm. I think there are just so many lessons just in how the atrium is structured for the children and how they work together. Yeah, even at the beginning of so the year. So it might be a like, good idea. Hmm. Sorry, Leslie, go ahead. No, you're no, you're totally fine. You go ahead. Say what you were going to say. So yeah, even at the beginning of the year, where when they when we sit down and we make the rules together and we say, you know, what are some rules? that are going to benefit everybody here in this atrium. And the rules aren't about just rules for rules' sake in that moment. It's about what are the things that we all need in order to live together in this community for just, even if it's just an hour or two hours, you know, what are the things that we need so that this can function properly? And they start to sort of learn that, well, this can't, this isn't going to work if I am screaming or this isn't going to work if I'm, you know, what, running around, so it sort of also teaches them just basic principles of living in community. Yeah, it really does. So when I, I will preface this by saying, um, because I I am in two roles at my at my uh, current job. Um, I work in a traditional classroom, like you know Samantha was saying, she does um, as well, um, and do atrium as well. Um, we are still working on some of the, the cores of the program. So we don't have an ideal time period. Usually, you know, you would want more than the allotted 40 minutes I get right now. So my experience is probably going to be different from somebody else, you know, who does level one. Um, so take what I say with a little bit of a grain of salt, if you will. So, um, we start every, every week. I talk to the kids, like I was saying a few minutes ago, um, we kind of have just a really kind of like a, a small chat 
and we kind of let the kids tell us like what they were excited about last time. I'm really just trying to engage them and kind of warm them up for going in there. Um, and we open agent kids and come in and they do, I give them the off. Um, it depends on, and again, this is a little different than usual because we do have time constraints. Um, they are allowed to choose their work. Um, so some kids immediately, you know, like they've just had in their mind, this is what I want to do. I wanted to do it last week. I didn't get a chance. So they'll settle in and kind of do what they want to do. Um, and at some point in time, depending on the week, and again, weird scheduling, um, I will presentation. Um, when we do presentation, it's not like, you know, we're pulling up a PowerPoint slide or anything like that. Um, so Montessori is really big on do we, we don't really call them manipulatives, do we? Materials, Materials I guess, yeah. is, is the better word for it. Yeah. Traditional teachers would see as manipulative. So we, we use a lot of um, materials to kind of bring all of the senses into what we're doing. Um, and so, like, we'll read from the and, um, you know, we off, like, so we were talking um, a little while ago. And so we have, you know, small painted peg dolls that are the apostles in Christ, um, you know, and it's, it's usually very simple, um, very relatable for the kids and everything that we work with, it belongs to the children. So we're not doing anything that they are not allowed to engage with and work with the materials. Um, and so we have a tradition had to set up again, because we have a shorter amount of time. And um, the kids know that when Miss Leslie stands up and starts quietly walking around and humming, we sing a song together. And that's kind of their cue, you know, to kind of reset everything. And, um, you know, our time has come to a close. So for us right now in, you know, some of our uh, limitations, that's what level one looks like for us. All right, awesome. So um, level two, we is the big thing, the big difference between, I think anyways, between level one and level two is that children are permitted to talk in level two, as long as it's quietly. Mm. And um, they can work in groups. They can sort of, you don't really work in groups in level one, you just observe. So a child could observe right. another child right. working, but it's not working together. Um, in level two, they prefer, I have found anyways that they prefer to work in groups. Um, but again, they just come into the classroom, they find their work. Um, if the teacher or the catechist um, wants to show a presentation, she might get three, four, five kids together to show a presentation um, to those children. But meanwhile, the other children are still working. So um, a presentation would just be like a lesson, obviously. Um, there's, um, but it's done in a different way than a classic, you know, classroom. Um, and so it, that's why it's vital to have an aide in the room um, is because the teacher usually or the catechist usually only takes a couple students at a time to do the presentations. And so the aide needs to be there just to monitor the rest of the classroom. Um, and just make sure that if a child, let's say a child who can't read wants a story read to them or a gospel read to them or whatever it may be. And then... Um, other than the talking and stuff, everything runs the same. You have, obviously, the work gets a little more um, complicated. There's more reading. They, since that's the age when they learn to read, you know, six, seven years old, um, they do more of the reading on their own. It's just sort of letting them do more on their own 
rather than you, you know, instead of having everything on a tray and they just choose the tray and it has all the things they need on it, they might have to go to a, go to a shelf and pick all the things that they need for a work. You know, it's sort of making Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. try a little harder and work a little harder because that's what they need at that age. Um, But it's still, you know, they work with their hands a lot. Um, We kind of introduce timelines, though. Um, The zero to, or the three to six child can't really understand, like, you know, past, present, future. But then once they hit six, they can kind of start to understand that. So that's when we introduce, like, the history of this whole, like, plan of God to them, you know, starting at creation and moving forward from there. Um, but yeah, that's level two. So my level two and three are very similar. In fact, I actually combine them because I'm the only catechist. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And Montessori considers them the same plane of development. So you can combine yeah. them. Although next year, I hope to have a separate assistant and a separate room for each, but still adjoining. I'm still waiting a few years down the line to have another level two catechist in my parish. But um, my format is basically I usually try to shake hands or greet every child individually as they come in. Um, Sometimes, like, as you say, they have work that they want to do. Um, For the level three, I would say it's less materials and more text. So I find level two sort of just a beast in terms of how much stuff you need to have. You know, like 75% of level Mm -hmm. one plus a whole bunch of their own work. And then level three comes down to more sort of paper or book type work and it's just bigger and for that level I really feel like you need at least two hours because to do a typology study right you know it takes time to read Exodus or Abraham um, and they are engaged in like the entire Roman Missal like their big project over the course of you know two and a half three years is to write their own Roman Missal or a set of propers. So the time it takes to basically do a Bible study with them and to give them that working time, they just need more at that age. So the two levels that I kind of ring a bell in the last 15 minutes and we do a communal prayer together, it's more structured than in level one. Mm -hmm. And usually my assistant will plan it if it's the level two children doing it. And then with level three, some of their work is to plan the entire communal prayer themselves. So that's a big work for a child, you know, to find, to choose a reading, use a concordance to find a song Mm -hmm. that corresponds with it, right? Go through the music, find what hymns you think would go well with it, you know, write the petitions, and then they find classmates to do the different parts, Right. But instead of my assistant doing it, it's the fourth through sixth grader planning it all themselves. Wow. So I think that's a that's amazing gift to give a child that as you grow up, you're comfortable doing this. Yes, that's crazy. Wow. I mean, I got like so something that I think we haven't touched on is these materials that we're talking about. We make them as catechists. Um, You know, you can purchase. But so when we talk about labor intensive, you know, like when she was saying, you know, um, um, text and whatnot, that's us making those materials, you know, computer um, often either. It's supposed to be hand. Right. 
<laughs> right? I, I will never forget at level one. Yeah, trying to trying to learn how to do like the book binding. And I just remember thinking, we have to do this a lot. <laughs> like a lot, a lot, a lot, you know, and kind of thinking, okay, I really need to get this down because there's no way I'm going to remember this if yeah. I don't, you know, really pay attention and get into it. So, you know, when we're talking about these materials, you know, so I, we, I should rewind a little and, and say that we are very blessed, um, the cathedral where I am, that our homeschool group actually um, started our atrium so we kind of are we're still kind of working on a good relationship between you know the homeschool group and and um the cathedral kids you know the school kids um so i'm very blessed in so much as even though it's just me doing you know the atrium for these different age groups um in our our school right now um i have other people that i can kind of rely on to help make the materials but i mean when we talk about all the things in our atrium everything is very purposed um it's there very intentionally and i mean we have a lot of it seems cheap to say emotional buy-in but i mean clearly you know when we're crafting these materials we're crafting them with our our children in mind you know when we're thinking about the different ways that they're going to use them um so you know when we're talking about something as simple as text it involves making sure you know you select the correct type of paper it needs to be the right weight um you know the right size trimming it down you know we have to craft the cover we are the ones you know writing it out and i'm not talking about regular handwriting it's kind of you know i don't want to say a cheap version of calligraphy you know but it's it's not you know basic handwriting so these are all very time consuming you know things that that we do to make this space special um you know for the people who come in it the children who own the space and um it's worth mentioning too i don't know about you guys i may have given our vice principal a minor heart attack because (laughs) i walked up to the atrium one day with a bottle of wine under one arm and matches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> under the other arm and yes, you know coming from a traditional <laughs> yeah we use fire and and our children you know like when they're learning to prepare everything for mass you know we allow them it, it would cheapen the experience to sub out you know grape juice because you want them to like have all their senses engaged you want them to smell the yeah. wine you know you want them to have everything so so we have in in our atriums you know young children <laughs> pouring wine and handling fire I mean, um, they don't, they're not allowed, and the crazy sure thing is to like light the mat we light the candles yes. no no and yeah and they can yes observe but candles. i mean like <laughs> right and the, but the thing is like it's not something it's it's part of the culture yeah. of the atrium is that that there's an intrinsic trust that we kind of work towards and build towards and the kids are very i mean they respect the danger <laughs> you know, they respect the the fire, you know, so it's not like we're just, you know, lighting some fireworks or something in there. I mean, it's all done very respectfully, but, you know, one of the things that the atrium has taught me, you know, as a catechist is that we shortchange children so much. We don't trust them to understand theological concepts that they absolutely can. We don't trust them, you know, to be able to work with materials because, you know, again, we have wine, fire glass like every traditional teacher is like worst nightmare you know for a space met for small children because it's been instilled in them i mean in the two years that i've 
had my children, I think we've broken two things. And one was like and a child. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's just not a big deal. accidental. Yeah. I've not really had anything mm-hmm. broken intentionally. Oh, no. Right. No. And I don't think, I don't, since I, this will be my second year, I don't think I've seen anybody break anything. We've like spilled, spilled but water, spilled wine, but I don't think I've seen anything yeah. actually get broken. And even if it does, like, we teach the children how to take care of it themselves. We don't swoop in. There's no shame, you know. It's, it's, the kids are perfectly capable of taking care of that, you know. And, and for me as an adult, I mean, I, I realize, again, we really do shortchange children so much and not letting them experience a lot of this stuff. And, and it's, it's so surprising to me because, you know, we've had some um, other staff members come in and observe in the atrium and you can just watch the abject horror yes. <laughs> watch over their face when they see children, you know, reach for a silver platter with a ton of glass or ceramic dishes on it. And I kind of have to, you know, make eye contact and kind of gesture like, no, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Just watch, you know, just watch trust, you know, because um, our natural instinct is, oh, good. No, no. Like, don't touch, you know. Um, and it's just really beautiful to watch. And, and see like these children not only are they capable of it it like i know it really struck me when you were talking about giving them dignity samantha like that is such a perfect way to put that like we're dignifying their work and allowing them to find satisfaction in what they naturally can do i will admit though that i do hide the quantity of matches that i go through in the trash can because i'm worried that so I try light it for prayer, but I try to not have it be yep. so clear that I've just emptied, you know, five dozen matches out of my front stand. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. That is really funny. Well have our little our little quirks that we sort of you know, yeah. I sometimes I will put um, the yeast work because if you it just is <laughs> sometimes I'll put it away and I'll say, you know, I'm I'm working on that one right now. I I have to clean out the canisters and stuff when really I just don't want to deal with the mess fallout <laughs> of that, yeah. that day. <laughs> real life, man. Real life. Real I think life. Every least favorite. In terms of the cleanup, because you have mm-hmm. to give them like glass dishes and real spoons, and then it gets dried up in there, and mm-hmm. you have to wash it. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, cleaning is like a whole other subject in the atrium. Although once you have older kids and they're like level three, then they can do all the cleaning for you. <laughs> then you don't have to do it anymore. No, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, also the okay. oven work is not available when they're older, much to many of their disappointment as they move out of level one into level two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, man. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this episode of the GCW podcast, Good Catholic Women After Dark. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen. Um, also, we have links in the show notes to find out more about CGS if you're interested in finding an atrium for your child or getting training. And I just want to say a big thank you to Quinn for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Yay! Oh, thank yes, you. Please.
It was a great discussion. Um, so, yeah, remember to describe. You can also follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, as well as Twitter and Instagram at podcast. All right, this is Samantha and Leslie and Quinn.